Paul, the title to today's message is Letting Go, based on 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 13, and we'll be reading that in a little bit. A man slips and falls off the edge of a cliff, and on the way down, he manages to grab onto a tree that is growing from that cliff. And he there is hanging there about 200 feet from the top and another 1,000 feet to the bottom. His situation seems hopeless. So he looks up to the sky and he decides for the first time to pray. And then he yells, is anybody up there? And after a long silence, a deep voice bellows from above. Do you believe? Yes, the man said. Or oh, then let go of the tree, says the voice. Well, the man just keeps hanging there, pauses for a second, looks up again, and finally says, is there maybe anybody else up there? <laughs> or oh, letting go can be particularly challenging when you have no idea where you're going. When the course is uncertain, and when the outcome is not clear. And let me illustrate this with an example. On October 23, 1983, I stepped aboard an airplane, headed for America. It was a bit unnerving flying to a foreign land, not knowing what to expect on the other side. I had to let go of the comfort of home back in Holland. And I remember there was a layover in London, but my flight from Amsterdam had been delayed, so I missed my connection. So I had to be rescheduled, this time through Minneapolis, then to Seattle, and finally to Portland, my destination. But at one point, I stopped stressing out about it. I let go of my anxiety, and I surrendered to whatever was meant to happen. And eventually, I did arrive in Portland, and the rest, obviously, is history. Then, about four months later, when I came to Arcada in 1984, the company was still called, and some people still call it today, Sun Valley Bulb Farms. Now, the largest crop in those days were daffodils. Millions of daffodils flowers were picked between December and February. And in June and July, many school kids in Arcata spent their summer vacation picking up bulbs who were just dug up. But then, about 11 years later, in 1995, we grew our last crop of daffodils. We let go of a long tradition of daffodil growing for Sun Valley, but also nearly 100 years of rich daffodil history in Humboldt County. Our letting go is the theme of the song we just heard earlier by Louis Armstrong, titled Let My People Go. Well, these are the words that the Lord instructed Moses to convey to Pharaoh to let go of the Israelites after 430 years of captivity in Egypt. 
Well, eventually, Pharaoh did let them go. The Israelites went through the Red Sea. But once they were in the desert, disbelief and distrust set in. We read in the Bible, in Exodus 17, 3, they complained to Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Came out us and our children and our livestock die of thirst. And even though they had been subjugated by the Egyptian oppressors, the Israelites knew what they had in Egypt. But now they are in the wilderness, not knowing what the next day would bring, depending on the Lord to provide food and water. They become restless, lose confidence, lose faith, and it leads to complaining and moaning. And they get into rebellion, like building a golden calf and, and then worshiping it. And some men started messing around with the women of the local tribes and then started worshiping their gods. Now, Paul uses this historical context while writing a letter to the Corinthians. He warns the folks in Corinth of their wicked ways by giving them a history lesson. And this brings us to today's reading in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 13. It will be on the screen, but if you would like to, you can also read along in your pew Bible, and it's found on page 997, and I'll give you a moment to look it up. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and they were struck down in the wilderness. Now, these things occurred as examples for us, so that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not become idolaters, as some of them did, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. And do not complain, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. These things happened to them to serve as an example. They were written down to instruct us, and whom the ends of the ages have come. So if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that it is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not 
let you be tested beyond your strength. But with this testing, he will also provide you the way out, so that you may be able to endure it. Please bow our heads. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light. In your truth, find wisdom. And in your will, discover your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So the city of Corinth is located on a peninsula, on the Greek peninsula, with the Ionian Sea on one side and the Aegean Sea on the other. And at the narrowest spot, it's only three miles wide. In the year 1882, they actually built a canal to connect those two, to those two seas, saving ships from a long, treacherous journey around that southern point referred to as Cape Matapan. But in Paul's day, there was no canal, and goods would be offloaded in Corinth, taken across the land, and then go on another ship. The port of Corinth developed into a bustling a seaport, an intersection between east and west. This meant a town full of sailors looking for a good time. It became a magnet of drunkenness and prostitution. In ancient days, if someone was characterized as a Corinthian, it would imply a licentious an unrestrained lifestyle. It was in that setting where Paul arrived with his good news message of Jesus Christ. Paul stayed in Corinth for about a year and a half, establishing a church. Then about three years later, on Paul's third uh, missionary journey, Paul is now in Ephesus. And while in Ephesus, he receives several disturbing reports of the things happening within the church in Corinth. And he's so distressed by all this that he sits down and he writes, and he starts writing one of the longest letters that he ever wrote to those believers in Corinth. That letter lays out a blueprint for the Corinthians to live a virtuous life. But in order to make his point, he inserts this historical perspective in chapter 10 by, by reminding them of what happened to the Israelites in the wilderness 1,500 years earlier. And in verse 8, Paul writes, We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. Now, the historical context of this is found in Numbers 25.1. While Israel was staying in Shittim, the man began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women, who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. Then in verse 9, Paul writes, We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Again, he is referring to Numbers, the book of Numbers, Numbers 21.4. The people grew impatient on the way, 
They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. And they bit the people. And many Israelites died. Now these passages in the book of Numbers seem very challenging, don't they? But what's even more mind-boggling is to find this in one of Paul's letters. This is the same Paul who writes about love in 1 Corinthians 13 and about salvation for all, Jew and Gentile alike. So where is Paul coming from? Why is he bringing this up? Here is where letting go comes into the picture. In the final analysis, the Israelites were not letting go. They were not putting their trust in the Lord. And instead, they were complaining and moaning, full of disbelief and distrust. If they would have let go and trust the Lord, they wouldn't have had to spend 40 years in the wilderness in the first place. The Israelites had seen the powerful hand of God during the plagues and the miracles of the Exodus. Yet, like many people, they walked by sight and not by faith. And God was displeased with their unbelief. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.6, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Paul reminds the folks in Corinth to let go of their sinful ways and belief. Now Mark and Angel Chernoff, in their best-selling book, Getting Back to Happy, tell a story of a psychology professor raising a glass of water, asking how heavy is this glass of water that I'm holding? A student starts shouting out answers, ranging, ranging from eight ounces to, to a couple of pounds. Well, then the professor replies, the absolute weight of this glass doesn't matter. It all depends how long you hold it. You hold it for a minute or two, it's fairly light. You hold it for an hour, its, its weight will make your arm ache a bit. You try to hold on with this glass of water for a whole day, and your arm will cramp up. You feel completely numb and paralyzed. In each case, the weight of that glass doesn't change. But the longer you hold it, the heavier it feels. Our stresses and our worries in life are very much like this glass of water. Thinking about them for a short while, not much happens. Yet the longer you think about it, the more it begins to ache. If stress and worries consume your life, you will be completely numb and paralyzed, incapable of doing anything else. Until you let go. 
Well, years ago, someone handed me a book to read titled God Smuggler. The guy who handed it to me, he said, uh, this is a fascinating story about a Dutch guy called Andrew. And since you're from from Holland, you might find it interesting. Well, come to find out, Andrew grew up in a town no further than 20 miles from where I was born and raised. And Andrew spent his childhood during the Second World War, just like my parents did. And as a youngster, he described himself as a rebellious adolescent. At age 18, he enlisted in the Dutch Marine Corps and fought in the Independence War in the Dutch East Indies, present-day Indonesia. The scene in Indonesia was horrific. He tells of killing villagers and children. And while not on patrol, lots and lots of drinking. He eventually gets injured when a bullet shatters his ankle. And he ends up in a hospital in Indonesia run by Franciscan nurses. He was amazed about the joy those nurses exhibited and how cheerful they were despite a heavy workload. It was the type of joy that he was missing. At one point, he asked Patricia, one of the nurses, why are you so happy and full of joy? And with a sparkle in her eye, she answered, you know, it's the love of God. She told Andrew, you have to let go. You are so troubled by your past that you resort to drinking and rebellion. Then she told the story of how monkeys are caught in the jungle. The villagers take a rope and a coconut and they drill a hole in that coconut on one side just large enough for the monkey's paw to slip through. Then they put a pebble inside that coconut and the monkey will try to get that pebble out. It will rattle. It will really get that monkey excited. But he can't get it out. And the monkey will not let go. Now, Andrew endured a period of severe emotional stress. He was overcome with guilt of the atrocities of two years in Indonesia. He lived a lifestyle that included drunkenness, immorality, not unlike those folks in Corinth. He returned to Holland and spent some time in a VA hospital for a long rehabilitation from his injuries. One day, all the patients were invited to a tent meeting in a nearby town. A fellow patient had snuck out and bought some liquor. And by the time they made it to the tent meeting, both were drunk. The preacher was not amused with these two guys in the very back making a ruckus. And as the tent meeting concludes, the closing song is, Let my people go. On the way back on the bus, and while laying in bed, that song kept playing in his head. Years earlier, before going to Indonesia, his mother had given him a Bible. But all that time, he never once picked it up. He kept it at his nightstand in memory of his mother. 
But as he was laying there in the hospital bed, and that song clapped playing in his head, he reached out and started reading. From that moment forward, he read the Bible. And within months, he stopped drinking. The fire had been ignited. The Bible stories that he had heard as a child that didn't make any sense to him then, now became real. Once back home, one night, he was laying in bed while a huge storm with strong winds was howling around his house. And in the wind, he heard the voice of Sister Patricia telling the story of the monkey not letting go. He heard the singing, let my people go. Let it go. Give yourself to God. Then he said a simple prayer. Lord, if you show me the way, I will follow you. From that moment forward, his life changed forever. That night, he gave his life to Christ. He let go, and he surrendered and put his trust in the Lord. Well, that book that I was talking about is truly remarkable. It's a truly remarkable, fascinating story of Andrew smuggling Bibles into countries uh, behind the Iron Curtain during the Cold War. Well, Andrew passed away a few years ago. But his ministry continues today and is known as Open Door International, supporting persecuted Christians in over 70, uh, 70 countries. In this season of Lent, let go of the past, no matter what the past may have been. Ask Jesus to cleanse us of our sins. Let go of adverse experiences. Let go of negative thoughts that hold us back. Let go of bad habits. Let go and put your trust in the Lord. Repent of our sins. Give ourselves to Christ and accept him as Lord and Savior. And he will lead us on that narrow road to the kingdom of heaven. Thank you. God bless you. Amen.